baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. The authors of the Constitution knew there would be times when the federal government would not live up to its duty. And so they empowered states in Article 1, Section 10, the right of self-defense. And what Texas is asserting is our Article 1, Section 10 right of self-defense because the President of the United States is not fulfilling his duty to enforce the laws passed by Congress that deny illegal entry into the United States. Yeah, there you have it. That's Greg Abbott in the great state of Texas saying, uh, you know what? The, the people who wrote the Constitution, the founders, saw this coming and gave us the right to self-defense. There's going to be a bit of a standoff down there today. It'll be interesting to see what the Biden administration does next. And right now we have Tom Homan on the line, former acting director of ICE and one of my favorite guests over the years. Tom, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. What what in the world is going on in Texas? You know, you got 25 other red states that have now stood up and said, we back the governor of Texas and what he's trying to do here. I think they're doing exactly what they should be doing. I think Governor Abbott is doing exactly what he should be doing. The federal government has advocated their responsibility to not only protect Texas, but protect the United States from invasion. And bottom line is, it's, it's, it's bigger than illegal immigration, and, and, and the White House needs to understand that. It's about fentanyl that killed over 112,000 Americans. It's about the eight, 600% increase in sex trafficking on women and children. It's about over 300 uh, people outside terror watches crossing the border. It's about the 1.9 million known gotaways. How many of them are terrorists? This is the biggest national security vulnerability I've seen since 9-11, and Governor Abbott is doing exactly the right thing. The White House is doing exactly the wrong thing. You know, I heard you at one of uh, uh, President Trump's speeches recently talking about what's going to happen if uh, if and when Donald Trump gets back in the White House and how you turn this thing around. Um, I, I Hopefully you're one of the people leading that effort uh, when it happens. What would you do to change what's going on down there? We uh, dust off the Trump plans that we prove were effective. We maybe Mexico program gets back in place. The third safe country agreements gets back in place. Catch and release goes away day one. Uh, we continue building the wall because walls work. So we, we do the Trump plan, but this time we finish it. Instead of 465 miles of wall, we'll add a few hundred more miles of wall to finish all the high traffic areas. But the big, most important thing, no catch and release. You cross the border illegally, you're either going to be held in Mexico to remain in Mexico program, or you're going to be in the detention facility. No one's getting released. Tom, this is Kim. I'm just curious. You know, I know Trump has talked about if he's president, he'll he'll deport all these illegals, which I support. I mean, what what would that look like? How do you go about doing something like that when you have so many people crossing the border right now? It's going to be tough. It's going to in, in Congress going to have to give the president the resources he needs, not only manpower to make the arrests. You're going to have, to have enough detention beds uh, to to hold these people. You're going to have, to have enough uh, money in the TRP, the transportation budget to get enough airframes to remove people. 
but it can be done. And if someone asks me the day, how do we remove 20 million people? Unless you remove one at a time. I mean, yeah. This is not going to be simple. Can we remove 20 million people? No, it's going to take a while. But here, here's what you do. You pass a law, either that or executive order, and, you, and it says this. Because nine out of ten people on the southern border who claim asylum never get relief from U.S. courts. They simply don't qualify for the under, under asylum rules. So nine out of ten will get order removal. But a lot of them are going to go hide out, wait for the next amnesty, wait for the next doctor. Here's what you need to do. You need to pass law that says this. If you're order removed by the immigration judge, you fail to depart, you will never, ever be able to get any immigration benefit the rest of your life. That means when their children, the U.S. citizen children, the anchor babies they had here, won't be able to, to petition for them or get a visa for them. They won't be qualifying for any amnesty in the future or any sort of document in the future. You penalize them. See, if you don't leave, you're done. And if you do that, many people leave on their own because, you know, as soon as they get, they have USC kids, and that kid can petition for them down the road, or they can qualify yeah. for some visa, maybe a worker visa or something. However, if you defy judge's order, you're done. That would help an awful lot, and in, in, in including in that would be bringing back retired border relations ICE agents to help you know, with the deportation uh, uh, operation. Yeah. We're, t- we're talking to Tom Homan, who used to uh, be the director of, of ICE under the Trump administration. You know, I'm looking at this this situation uh, with uh, the Senate and the negotiations with the White House right now. And I had to listen to uh, Kamala Harris. I almost hate to play the, the bite, but go to cut seven, Carl, please. They're running on immigration because they like having the problem so they can they can have an issue when, in fact, we have offered them the ability to solve it and they don't want to participate in that. Right. And the solution. So you and I both know what kind of hogwash that is, uh, Tom Homan. But what they want is amnesty. That's that's what they're offering. And I am scared to death that there are a couple of rhino leaders in the Senate that are ready to go along with it. Well, if they do, we need to vote my office. Bottom line is, why did they wait three years to offer a fix? And the fix is exactly right. Their fix is to give amnesty to men and billions of dollars to get to NGOs to put illegal aliens in hotel rooms at 500 bucks a night and continue lying to pockets of their friends. We're paying 500 bucks for a hotel room. Meanwhile, there's empty ice beds all across the country, already paid for by the taxpayer, already paid for, sitting empty at $127 a night. So, look, they, they don't offer no fix. And why all of a sudden they, well, why, why all of a sudden they even talking about a fix? Oh, it must be an election coming, right? And they just realize this illegal immigration is the number one issue. Look, we have a fix. It's called H.R. 2. It passed the House. If I was a Congress, I would say, look, H.R. 2 or nothing. Nothing. Shut it down. And people say, well, shutting down is pretty aggressive stance, Tom. You're damn right it is. You know what? But we've got 112,000 dead Americans. The criminal cartels of Mexico have killed more Americans than any terrorist organization. Where we put it up with a terrorist organization, we demand action. It's, it's enough. It's enough. This administration has failed the American people. They haven't done a damn thing to slow the flow. And, and, and we've got Senate Republicans right now negotiating with Mayorkas. Are you kidding me? That's like negotiating with an arsonist on how to, how to put out a fire. It's just ridiculous. They don't need to negotiate against themselves. HR2 works. How do we know? Because most of it's Trump's plans. And I help, I, I help you know, write that thing. HR2, proven effective, proven at work. So why negotiate it yourself? we got a plan that works. Either take it or shut it down. I mean, here's my thing. I certainly don't support this this catch and release thing that we're doing right now. But I also don't want them here in the United States in prison because then it's on our taxpayer payer dollars. And I don't want to be paying for these illegals. So I, I, to me, the solution is we've got to build that wall and, and block them from even coming over here in the first place. 
No, the solution is remain a Mexico program. That was a game changer of the Trump administration. Here's what the, the, the here's what was realized after about six months. They knew they weren't going to be entering the United States and be released, either not to show up in court or just ignore judge's order. So when they knew they weren't going to be released in the United States, they stopped coming because they know they don't qualify for asylum. They're coming for a job. They know they don't qualify, but they're going they're going to make an asylum a fraudulent asylum claim to be released. Once they found out during the Remain in Mexico program, we're not going to be released in the United States. They stopped coming. They stopped selling every every uh, all the property they had and all the savings they had to give to the criminal cartels we smuggled in the United States. Remain in Mexico program was a game changer. The third state country agreements was a game changer. And you know what? That's not a matter of money. That's just a matter of policy. This is not a money issue. And the White House wants money. They want billions of dollars. It's not a money issue. It's a policy issue. They could put the Remain in Mexico program back in place tomorrow. The highest courts in the land have said that's a legal program. They really want to secure the border, like Kamala says. Put the Remain in Mexico program back in tomorrow, and you you will solve a lot of this problem day one. Tom Homan, we look forward to you being part of the solution again soon, my friend. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Yep. take care of yourself. Uh, Good to get him on here whenever we would go to Washington for the uh, uh, Feet to the Fire immigration conference. We always made sure to book Tom as a guest, and uh, he's he's just so knowledgeable. And he, he really did help put together the Trump plan that was working before the Biden administration reversed everything Trump. I like what he said. It's not a money issue. It's a policy issue. And they have the ability to do something about it tomorrow. So coming up, uh, we've talked a lot about the economy, Biden inflation, how much it's costing you to go to the grocery store. Uh, People on the left and some on the right uh, are trumpeting the economic numbers yesterday. What does that mean? We're going to talk to Dr. Aaron Hedlund, chief economist for the Show Me Institute, coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And also the president. Economists had estimated that GDP, that's a measure of basically the total growth of the economy, all goods and services produced, would grow at a rate of about 2% in the fourth quarter of last year. Today, we learned that GDP actually grew at a rate of 3.3%. Yeah, what uh, what does that mean exactly, the economic news that we got out yesterday? Because we all know what it feels like when you go to the grocery store or the gas pump, for that matter. It doesn't seem... All rosy there. We have Dr. Aaron Hedlund on the phone with us this morning, uh, chief economist for the Show Me Institute, showmeinstitute.org. And uh, Dr. Hedlund, welcome in. How are you? Great to join you. Doing great. Yeah. Go, what, what did you make of uh, the, the economy? Because, you know, uh, from a conservative point of view, I'm looking at the downsides of what Joe Biden has done to this economy. Meanwhile, your 401k, for example, the, the stock market has hit hit record numbers. What's going on here? I mean, look, it's always better to have higher growth than lower growth. So, you know, 3.3% is pretty good. Now, if you look at the year as a whole, it's 2.5%, which is kind of moderate. But here's the thing. That doesn't really tell even close to the whole picture. Number one, kind of the, the national media is perpetually confused as to why people aren't happy. And the answer is very simple. People's purchasing power is down. People have lost, on average, once you adjust for inflation, $4,000 
from 2019 to 2022, and wages went up by less than 1% during 2023. And on top of that, this is all very debt-fueled. It's very unsustainable. Yeah, which means all of the basically, I know I, I use the word loosely, free money that was dumped into the economy over the past three years with all of the, I mean, we're still sitting on cash here in the city of St. Louis, in St. Louis County, in the state of Missouri that hasn't been spent yet that was sent to them by the federal government. Uh, and and that's fueling part of this, correct? That's fueled this, the vast majority of inflation. Inflation did not come out of nowhere. It wasn't because of Putin. It wasn't because of greedy corporations. It was because we firehosed way too much money into the economy, really 2021 and beyond. At, at that point, the economy had already kind of bounced back from the depths of the, all the shutdowns. And nevertheless, progressives saw fit to put tons of money in there. And on top of that, if you look at consumer spending, which is the biggest driver of growth right now, people are racking up debt on their credit cards. Credit card debt's over a trillion dollars. And it'd be one thing if they were able to pay it, but delinquency rates are steeply on the rise also. Dr. Hedlund, this is Kim. I, I talked to a lot of people who were kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop, so to speak. They're worried about a possible recession. We're at the end of January now. I, what do you foresee happening later this year and into next year with the economy? The two big things I'm looking at are consumer spending. Can it continue on the current pace? And I would say no, because the San Francisco Fed tracks all that built-up stimulus money that people saved up. That's pretty much evaporated now, so that's been fueling some of the spending. And as as I just mentioned a moment ago, credit card debt is very high. People are being delinquent on their debt, so that's going to come home. That's the first thing I'm looking at. The second thing I'm looking at is commercial real estate. There's still a lot of office vacancies and leases that are coming due. And with the high interest rates where they are, we could potentially see some problems there, which would affect the banking sector. Yeah, well, I was wondering about that. I mean, let's talk about the housing market for a minute. Uh, it, they, they claim there's no inventory, so some, in some cases housing prices are still high. Part of the reason that, that, that there's no inventory, people aren't moving, is because they're worried about interest rates on the other side. Is there a concern of a, of a housing market crash at any point? I don't see any likelihood of a big drop in house prices, and that's just because so many people locked in 3% mortgages a few years ago. But if you're trying to get into the housing market, it has never been less affordable than it is right now. When you look at the combination of house prices being quite elevated and mortgage rates being dramatically higher than they were a couple of years ago, that's making it very tough to break in. I mean, the payment, let's say you try to get a $400,000 house, which is about typical these days, then uh, the mortgage payment is about $1,000 higher per month, wow. higher, not, not the total payment. That's the change in the payment because of the mortgage rates. <laughs> that, that's stunning. But, I mean, you think about how many years ago was it when the mortgage rates were like 12%? So I'm sure well, a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, well, you don't know how it was when I was younger. But I think when what you're talking about with the, the, the price of the homes, too, when you couple it with the interest rate, it really it's hard. Exactly. It's that combination. It's, yeah. it's true. Interest rates have been higher in the past, but house prices were a lot lower. Yeah. So so as an economist, uh, look at what Powell's done with the Fed. Uh, I, I blame all of that, and I know you do too, all of that huge amount of spending on the fact that it drove inflation to where it is. To get inflation under control, they started jacking up interest rates over and over and over and over again. Um, did it work? I mean, it, it didn't look like it was going to work, but did it give the economy a soft landing after all? Well, I'd say two things about that. First of all, 
we're kind of all wondering, are we going to achieve a soft landing? Well, inflation is not down to 2% yet. It's not down to the target the Fed's trying to achieve. And it's, it's a little over three, which is better than what it was. But when you're landing the plane, you don't get to 500 feet and say, oh, good enough. Yeah, you actually yeah. have to get the tires on the ground. <laughs> and, that, yeah, and, that, and that last little bit could matter quite a bit. And that's why I don't think we're going to see big rate cuts next year. I know everyone's hoping for it. I don't see it happening. And frankly, the only scenario where we do get big rate cuts next year is if the economy does fall off the cliff and go into a big recession. So it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a sense. Yeah, I, I heard Joe Biden yesterday saying Donald Trump wants the economy to crash. Well, that's not exactly what he said. What he said is if it's going to happen, uh, I hope it happens soon uh, so that we know what we got to do to fix it when we get in office. So um, I, I, the, the, there was, is a recession still a possibility in your opinion? I think a recession is a possibility in 2024. I'm not betting on that. I think what we will see is a big slowdown. So, again, 2.5% for 2023 is nothing to be crowing about. That's yeah. sort of a, a decent, solid kind of B, maybe. Uh, but I could see the number decelerating. Because the other thing is that that 2.5% is based off of an insane amount of borrowing in 2023. I mean, we saw the deficit essentially double, multi-trillion dollar deficits. That, that's not the accumulated debt. That's just one year of debt. That's completely unsustainable. Well, uh, Dr. Aaron Hedlund, we certainly appreciate your time, and people can read more of your thoughts at showmeinstitute.org. Thank you for your time today. Great to speak with you. Absolutely. Great. Yeah, great. a great way to put all that in uh, in perspective. It, we haven't landed the plane yet. <laughs> Although 3.3 is good, the average for the year is 2.5, far below what we were seeing during the Trump years. Yeah, and you don't just get mostly there, and you're like, all right, looks good enough. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, you know, where do you, where do you go with that? Hey, we're going to get uh, Ryan Wiggins in here in a couple of minutes. I, I've talked a little bit this morning about Carrie Lake and what happened in the state of Arizona, which, which of course, there were a lot of questions out there on how that governor race went down. Now she's running for Senate. Now they're trying to bribe her not to run at all. I want to get the take of Wiggins America after the break. Stay tuned. There are very powerful people that want to keep you out. I know they do. But they're willing to put their money where their mouth is in a big way. So, this conversation never happened. This is crazy, though. They should want me. I'm a great candidate. People love me. These people are corrupt. Wiggins! Oh! Wiggins! Well, once again, Carrie Lake uh, doing the work of journalists everywhere, uh, right? finding out that just how deep the swamp goes in Washington, D.C. They're trying to bribe the woman to step out of the political scene in, in Arizona for two years. Yeah, Republicans are Republicans bribed her to step out of the race. <laughs> it's amazing. You know what I've been di- more disappointed in than anything? Is there are people, because of all the crap that's gone on in Arizona, mm-hmm. there are people that I follow on Twitter and elsewhere who are in, in their goal, at least their original goal, was to be just journalists. And it's very hard to find those people, to find people who are willing to report on whatever's going on, especially in the midst of Arizona and the recount and the, and the, all that stuff. I just wanted information. So I thought I had found a couple people. Well, they've gotten so tilted to the left throughout this process that even when something like that comes up, and these are supposed to be like the better of the journalists, something like this comes up that's clearly bribery. The guy has resigned, like cut and dry. They go, well, here's the strategy that 
Carrie uh, Lake is imposing. Instead yes. of rep- reporting on what this guy did, they're reporting on what she's doing. No. Report the fact that no. there was bribery happening. I saw the same thing. The article I read talked about him resigning, him claiming part of what he said was taken out of context, and he feels like he was set up, even though he's the one that the words came out of his mouth. She didn't have a gun to his head, forcing him to offer her a bribe. And then the coverage of it said there, uh, Mitch McConnell and other leaders in Washington, it didn't say they sent the bribe. What it said was, They've been they've been trying to select candidates that are more electable. So, in other words, they're defending the possibility of trying to bribe a candidate like Carrie Lake to drop out of the race. So they're basically admitting that it's those same people. They don't think she's electable. That must be why they did it. So, so the setup justifying it. was before they talked, Carrie goes, "Hey, I'm going to start recording this. I want you to <laughs> offer me a bribe." And he goes, "Okay." Oh, it's darn it! I was set up. <laughs> I wonder if there's if there's is there anybody out there that hasn't heard the worst of this? I mean, honestly, um, they they tried to offer her outside employment for two years on a on a like a corporate board so she could get paid while sitting out the political process for at least two years. It, it's unbelievable. Listen. So what do they want? What do they want me to do? You want to stay out for two years? <laughs> what? I'll tell you what I can offer you. But, um, I said, you can do whatever you want. It's talking head, isn't it? So, the, the ask of me was, it's kind of funny. So, the, the ask I got today from back east was, this is, he has to us. Is there any companies out there or something that could just put her on the payroll and give her, to keep her out? And I said, well, what do you want to do? Like, whatever we need to do. This is about defeating Trump. And I think that's a bad, bad thing for our country. First of all, of all the people in the world that you thought you could approach with a bribe, Carrie Lake would be the last one. No kidding. That's a good point. What a stupid move to just go, you know what we can do for you? We can give you a little bit of money to shut your mouth. Like that's to Carrie Lake. It's like doing it to Ramaswamy. Or or Trump for that matter, right? You know, yeah. But the corruption, I think, I mean, I even just said Ramaswamy, they, he exposed that uh, one of those conferences was at CPAC, they, that they do uh, pay for play for the polls. You know, I mean, there's corruption all over the place. And I hope I'm not throwing CPAC under the bus because it was whatever organization is one of those speaking engagement tours that they do. Uh, but they, that they do a poll and they said to Ramaswamy early on, they didn't know you couldn't buy this guy. You know, hey, if you pay this much, we'll we'll bump you up in the polls a little bit. Well, that's that's just corruption. That, that, it's all lies. I this had, stuff not, is I had not heard that. Did they oh, yeah. mention CPAC by name? I, that's why I don't want to necessarily throw CPAC under the bus. Huh. But it was one of those big speaking tour engagements that that's a big name, and I'd have to look up which one it was. But it was very corrupt, and he called it out. And you can find it right now if you want to. But that stuff is happening even in that clip you just played. He's talking about, you know, people back east. You know, so this goes above this guy. And she said, who? And he goes, it's it's not who, it's what. Like, he, he didn't want to say who yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. It's what they want that's important. Yeah. He, he didn't name names. If he named names, he would not only have had to resign, he'd be dead probably. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you. This, yeah. this tape wouldn't have emerged. So, so Kim this morning in Kim on a Whim was talking about this, some who played a bite from a journalist who was lamenting the fact that 
all these journalists are being laid off and um, it's hurting their industry and what they do is so important. And I'm like, the, the, the poll we talked about was people's lack of trust, right? Mm-hmm. In, in For a number of professions. Journalism, nurse, uh, yep. n- not nursing, lawyers, uh, lawyers congressmen. Right. Yeah. And it's all down. Like all the, they did like 23 professions and just about every single one of them was down. You know what's funny? I saw a poll recently that, that was looking at uh, by party affiliation, who trusts the media. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Republicans, it got to an all time low in, of all places, 2020, of course, at 5%. It has since risen to like 7 <laughs> so, so Republicans do not trust the media. Well, but Democrats, it's dropped among Democrats too since 2020. I could see that. I think some of them, myself included, have had their eyes open because that was really the year that changed everything for me. Yeah. I used to be irritated when I would cover Trump back in Iowa when I worked there and people would shout fake news at me. And I'd be so irritated, like, how do you possibly think we're fake news? And now I'm like the one chanting with them, like, yeah, fake news. <laughs> you know? It's just so crazy because once your eyes are open, you can't shut them again. You just see everything from a different lens. Uh, it's true. And I, and I said earlier, I think arrogance plays a role in that. You, you go to journalism school. I mean, I I didn't go to the University of Missouri where they give you a degree in journalism, as my wife points out all the time. But I, Don't hate I, on Missouri, I, I did go to Miami of Ohio where, where I had a Bachelor of Science in Mass Comm with an emphasis in journalism where they would teach you you're going to work in, they then referred to broadcast journalism as the fifth estate, right? The, the newspapers were the fourth estate. And they're an important part of our government, and they hold things in balance. And, and you know, you walk out of there feeling, hopefully, some sense of responsibility for what you need to do. But then you go to work for organizations that undercut all of that by mm-hmm. filtering news to fit their point of view and that is where people lost their trust yeah and it's and it still goes on and when you hear the lady we had on this morning uh, lamenting you know how horrible it is how can democracy go on without a free press well to, I got an idea tell the Biden administration not to collude with big tech to, sh- to silence voices they disagree with I mean that's a great point and and it becomes I mean from all of us have worked in many newsrooms and been you know in journalism it becomes monolithic <clears throat> and what we've seen is that you, it, it's just like any peer group if the peer group's kind of moving in a certain way well you have to work really hard to move against that grain mm-hmm. and in, in an environment like that it's also your job on the line sure so there's a lot at stake and so people tend to move with the flow of things well we saw in 2016 through 2020 that the flow of things was 96 percent democrat and then what 4%, if that, that were independent or Republican in all journalism? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was independent reporting that did an analysis of journalists. And it continues to be true today. Nothing's really changed in those big newsrooms. And, and it's come out that the Biden administration truly has been filtering and censoring things on social media. Speaking of Biden, Mark, do we have like two seconds to play that clip of Biden trying to read a teleprompter and see if our friend Ryan Wiggins can figure out what the heck the president is trying to say? Absolutely. The beer brewed here, it is used to make the brew beer in this final. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why he's saying Yeah, I, I can tell you what he's saying there. He says, beer brewed here, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. You got a winner. Oh, thank Ryan you. Ryan Wiggins, uh, thank you. Yeah. You've got a future in front of you. Young yeah, man. you're welcome. Could you work full time for Joe Biden? Because I think we could use you. 
That's like, that what t- you, you guys are blaming Joe everything. Biden. That's just written for him. Oh, you're right. It was He's like just reading what's on Someone the top. Of that yeah. <laughs> <read it. laughs> All right, coming up, we'll get to uh, what's on the web with uh, Anna. Stay tuned. My professor. Uh, yeah, well, I won't get into my professor. <laughs> but look, my predecessor, though. What's on the web? web brought to you by Anna. All right, Anna Bowman uh, in studio with us, our digital uh, content producer, and she's got a little bit of a bone to pick with me. I do. I walked in the Mm -hmm. studio and I said, Mark, I think we are fighting. (laughs) He, this. Uh, He, you don't know this for sure now. This is an allegation. Yeah, everybody is saying it was somebody else, but somebody (laughs) likes to open the window by my desk and it's freezing outside and then they forget to close it. So when I go to sit down and do my work, I am shivering. It's because it smells like Snoop Dogg uh, lives <laughs> above this studio, and uh, that's what the room smells like out there. So it's possible that I know somebody who cracked that window this morning. Okay. Like me. Mm. But it is right by your desk, so I apologize for that. I'll, it is right by my desk. I will remember to close it. I said I'm trying to keep you from getting stoned at work, at which point you said, I think I'd rather be stoned than cold. Yeah. Cause the, well, the thing is with the smell, <laughs> I'm so used to it at this point. Our oh. office always smells like it, and nobody can figure out why. Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. Oh, we know why. Somebody's getting. <laughs> we hot. just don't know who. Yeah, we don't know who. We just don't know. <laughs> Somebody's smoking we do. weed. We just don't know where. It's or not who. the what. It's the who. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, these two stories are both on ninety-seven-one-fmtalk.com. Can Tesla cameras detect ghosts? Someone drove their Tesla to a cemetery at night and put it in park. And on their touchscreen, it showed half a dozen people walking around and no one was there. Wow. I would be so terrified. So the, the front of the car has a camera on it? I, I've yeah, not... I guess it can just wow. detect when people are around you or other cars and things like that. And it was showing there was a lot this of This sounds like something that Elon Musk cooked up when he was stoned. <laughs> and, he, and he programmed it into AI. the computer. Anytime yeah. you see enough tombstones, put people <laughs> yeah. walking in it. Did you already watch the video? Just to the release the video? I don't know. I, I thought you were going to say like those orb things because, you know, when you take a picture and mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I see an orb. That yeah. means there's a ghost. Yeah. No, you're saying it was actual people that mm-hmm. this camera claimed to have picked up? It sounds well, like the camera the didn't of claim it. The person movie. claimed it. Yeah. I like that version better because after death, I think I'd rather still have arms and legs than just be a ball. <laughs> I'd like to be a ball. I would like you to would be a ball, too. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. I, I guess that's just a girl boy thing. Yeah. <laughs> you can be whatever you want, Ryan. I identify as whatever I want. I want to have more limbs. <laughs> well, I want like Goro that's, that's for more combat. Who's driving to a cemetery at night? This happened at night? Yeah, that's true. It happened yeah, at night. Thank you. That's that's weird. So maybe they were hoping that would happen. Mm-hmm. Could be. This next story, you can tell a lot about a man by the size of his fingers. Men whose ring fingers are longer than their index fingers, on average, are nicer to women. They're the same. Mine are long. Mine's longer. Really? I say that no matter what the question is. There you go. There you go. Just so everybody can They're see the that. Same. Much longer. See? Yeah. See? Me too. Well, no. So that means, that, that, means that Mark is nicer than, say, Carl, who's saying that his are the your, same length. Your ring finger is supposed to be the one that's longest. Um, no, mine, you, mine's longer. What is that possible? Finger. Your middle finger's the longest. Well, the middle finger's the longest, but the next longest is the ring finger. Everybody you're stick up to, their middle finger. You're supposed you. to <laughs> measure from the base. <laughs> <laughs> just walk around with your middle finger up. Just nicer the to women. What? I I don't know how some people come up with these studies, but. 
<laughs> They've been hanging out in our office. In How stone. much did they pay to fund this study? Like fifty hours went into discovering that people with this yeah size difference. Yeah. Uh, Anna is reporting on Rand Paul's airing of grievances at the end of the year. Yeah, this is true. This is the stuff the government absolutely wastes money on. Yeah. There you, there you have it. Was that Trump's hands that they were fussing about when he was president? Wasn't that it? They say he's got tiny hands. Tiny hands. Oh, Remember that? That was um, Stormy Daniels said that. Oh. <laughs> okay, what if it's coming out of Stormy Daniels' mouth? You know, that's actually been the worst scandal that he's had. All the rest of them have been fake. <laughs> that one is the actual worst scandal he's had. Because all the, all the other ones were basically... Debunked, right? I can't think of really any major. Well, except this this lady in New York that accused him of something he claims never happened. Somehow they found a jury that convicted him of it. Then afterwards, he said it didn't happen again, and she's a liar. She was able to take him back to court and sue him for another ten million dollars for claiming that what he was convicted of in a civil this case, is E. Jean Carroll, had actually happened, even though she still claims that it hadn't happened. I, the weirdest thing about that one is that <laughs> she goes on to CNN with Anderson Cooper and goes, and he goes, was this like a sexual assault? And he goes, she goes, no, 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 this was not sexual at all. This had nothing to do with that. It was not sexual. And then she keeps calling it a sexual assault in court. I, I mean, yesterday, what? yesterday she brought out a jacket that she alleged she was wearing that day, but this supposedly happened in 1994. And the designer said that that Donna Karen jacket wasn't created till like ten years oh, after I saw that, that right? Too. Oh, wow! Yeah. So she couldn't have been wearing that jacket, even if this thing supposedly happened. How can a jury look at all of these inconsistencies and and have convicted him? Well, it's a, it's a civil jury. They they don't need to be beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Yeah. Yeah. That need to be a nice. Uh, and it's in New unanimous. York. He said under his and breath, it's in New York. "What leaving the courtroom? I don't even know her." Yeah. As he was heading out, mm-hmm. right. But well, they have this long history, and, and get, well, now they have a, a more of a history now actually than probably they ever did. This is true. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, and and get gets back to the fact that if he wasn't running again, yep. none of these things would have happened. He wouldn't have been charged in a single one of any of these cases because they would have had nothing to prove, nothing, no reason to try to remove him from the process. That's the sad thing about the whole about all of it. By the way, uh, just as a quick note here. I posted this up on my Facebook page. Um, for those of you upset about what's going on in in um, Jefferson City, they're going to have a rally next Tuesday outside of the Capitol supporting the Missouri Freedom Caucus. 11 a.m. next Tuesday. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. If that's something you want to go to, uh, there's a link to it and details on my website. Uh, so you can uh, go check that out if you want to drive down to the Missouri Capitol and uh, show your support for Uh, The senators who lost their jobs, their parking spots, and potentially their furniture (laughs) earlier this week. All right, Brian Kilmeade coming up next. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday morning at 5 a.m. Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 